Welcome. This is Barry Baines from Baines Law, a legal miscellany where we regularly podcast about cases and legal issues, as well as talking to professionals and others who have experience of our legal system. On appeal to the administrative court, the judge found no basis for disturbing the Medical Practitioners Tribunal's factual determinations, but went on to consider the sanction decision of striking off and the so-called rejected defence issue at some length, Sawati and the General Medical Council. The court had been concerned in a number of such cases to determine how a professional could have a fair chance before a tribunal to resist allegations, particularly those of dishonesty, without finding that their resistance to those allegations counted against them if they were unsuccessful. In a judgment which will repay a full reading by practitioners, Mrs. Justice Collins Rice analyzed in some detail the rejected defense case law principles and relevant facts. The frequently cited passage from the judgment of Lord Hoffman in Misra articulated the danger of oppression which lurked in putting doctors in a position not only of having to defend allegations of misconduct, but also of having to defend their defences. That danger of oppression needed to be recognised by tribunals also when approaching evaluative judgments about sanctions. The danger lay not only in bringing secondary charges of dishonesty, but also in the tribunal's established ability to take into account conduct with which a doctor had not been formally charged at all. In Nicholas Pillai, a distinction was made between proceedings involving allegations of dishonest conduct and proceedings which did not involve allegations of dishonest conduct, but where the allegations were defended dishonestly. A number of cases before the administrative court had analysed those distinctions. Neither the principle of due process nor protecting the public from practitioners who could not accept or deal with findings of fault and who were at risk of repeating their failings were complicated. Reconciling the two may be difficult in an individual case and was undoubtedly fact sensitive. The court consistently attached importance to the following factors. First, the primary allegations against the doctor, the proper place of dishonesty or other states of mind such as deliberate and knowing in the scheme of the allegations mattered. A rejected defense of honesty may be more fairly relevant to an overall assessment of conduct where dishonesty, the noun, was the primary allegation deceit, fraud, forgery, or similar, than where dishonestly, the adverb, was a secondary allegation, aggravating a primary allegation of other misconduct, which may or may not be done honestly. Particular alertness was needed to what Lord Hoffman had referred to as the charging trap, adding dishonestly to a primary allegation to aggravate it disproportionately colour any denial of the primary allegation with dishonesty or characterise denial of the dishonesty as itself dishonest or lacking insight. Second was what was the doctor positively denying? There was a difference between denying primary facts 
what happened and what the doctor did or did not do, and denying secondary facts, the evaluation of the primary facts through the lens of what the doctor knew or thought and the choices available to them. Resistance to the objectively verifiable was potentially more problematic behavior and more relevant to sanction than insistence on an honestly subjective perspective. Third was whether there was evidence of lack of insight other than the rejected defense. Before the rejected defense was held to be relevant evidence of lack of insight, it was necessary to consider what other evidence of insight or lack of insight was present. Fourth was the nature and quality of the rejected defense. Not telling the truth to the tribunal when not freshly charged in separate proceedings as akin to perjury had to amount to something more than a failure to admit an allegation, especially a secondary allegation of dishonesty, or a putting to proof before it could properly count against the doctor. It was likely to have to amount to more than offering an honest alternative explanation of events alleged to be explicable as dishonesty, or it was hard to see how a dishonesty charge was to be effectively defended. It was going to require some thought to be given to the nature of the rejected defence. These were all evaluative matters, and tribunals needed to think about what they were doing before they used a doctor's defence against them to bring the analysis back down to its simplest essence. In the present case, the tribunal's determination of sanction disclosed serious irregularity and error of principle, sufficient in themselves to make it unjust. It failed properly to assess and or articulate the gravity of the misconduct it had established by failing to make any or any sufficient assessment of the seriousness of the primary misconduct by reference to the doctor's actions and their consequences and of the seriousness of the dishonesty, including by reference to the authoritative steer of the sanctions guidance and the examples given there. It failed to direct itself properly, fairly or at all to risks of injustice in regarding the doctor's rejected defences to the allegations of dishonesty as grounds for aggravating sanction. The court was not satisfied that the tribunal handled the doctor's case fairly or that it reached a conclusion on sanction which was demonstrably just. The tribunal's sanction determination was quashed and remitted to a differently constituted tribunal for a fresh determination of sanction. You can read a summary of this podcast episode with case citations under the title Doctors and the Charging Trap of Dishonestly in the news section at www.barrybaines.co.uk. Thank you for listening to Baines Law. Listen out for future podcasts where we will continue to discuss issues of interest to the legal community. If there is a professional perspective that you would like to share, get in touch via our website at www.barrybaines.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at Baines Law. We look forward to presenting to you again very soon on Baines Law.